Welcome to Lead On, a program where we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, and I've been a ministry leader for a long time. I've been a church planter, and a pastor, and a ministry executive, and throughout all those experiences, I've learned a lot about how to apply biblical and theological parameters, if you will, to practical issues of ministry leadership. So that's the focus of this program. It's not really a preaching or a teaching program. It's more of a dialogue, uh, trying to learn what the Bible says and what good theological reflection can mean about practical issues uh, that come at us every day in ministry leadership. Now, I've been paying attention throughout the past year, especially uh, through the pandemic and the political upheaval and the social unrest in our country. I've been paying attention to surveys and other instruments and even my own email as pastors and other ministry leaders contact me about the various problems they've been facing in recent days. One of the problems at the top of the list is loneliness in leadership. Now, loneliness in ministry leadership is a real dilemma. We work in Christian communities. We emphasize relationships. We value Christian fellowship. I mean, community is a big buzzword in ministry leadership today. And relationships, almost every one of us has said at one time or another, uh, you know, Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. Uh, we, we value Christian fellowship. Most churches have some kind of room or building called the Fellowship Hall or the Fellowship Center. That's how important fellowship is to our ministry. So loneliness is a perplexing problem because we work in Christian communities, we emphasize relationships, and we value Christian fellowship. And yet, loneliness seems to be an occupational hazard of Christian leadership. One leader told me that if I wrote a book on this theme, leadership and struggles that people have, loneliness should be chapter one. Well, why are Christian leaders so lonely? In the next few moments of the program, I'm going to sort of talk us down into a dark place. So stay with me. There's hope coming. There's good news coming. But before we get there, I want to talk about why it is that those of us who work in communities, emphasize relationships, value fellowship, why we struggle with loneliness. Number one, leaders are lonely because they're isolated by information. Now, there's two kinds of information that isolates us. One, personal. The other, what I'll call professional. What do I mean by personal information? Well, sometimes you have to demote a volunteer or an employee based on private or personal information. You know something about the person that no one else knows. And they go out and tell a different version of their story to other people, and you simply can't reply. You're isolated by information that you have that no one else can know that you just make public decisions about and everyone wonders what's wrong with you. I remember a number of years ago I was counseling a young couple about getting married and it came out in the premarital counseling that uh, the man was physically abusing his fiancée. And I said I couldn't do the wedding until we got this issue addressed, and I laid out some parameters of what that would mean, which, of course, were going to delay the ceremony for some months. Privately, the woman thanked me because she was in a very difficult position and did not know how to get out of the relationship. But publicly, she told people, a pastor Jeff won't do my wedding because he doesn't like my fiancé. Well, 
that wasn't true. But I couldn't disclose the real reason, and many people became angry with me over that incident. And it was lonely and isolating to hold to my position. But nevertheless, I had personal information that caused me to make a decision about a ministry situation that created a lonely feeling for me. Sometimes this information relates to how we deal with leaders, as I said, either promoting or demoting employees or volunteers, and that kind of professional responsibility or professional information can also be a part of what we're dealing with. I once had a person in my church that was very astute financially, and every year uh, word would come up that our suggestion would come up that he be added to the finance team or to the budgeting committee or something like that, and I consistently opposed it. And people say, well, you just don't like him, or you, you have a personality conflict with him, or you're just afraid of his influence, and none of that was true. I knew from having personally counseled with him in private context where he got most of his money. He was a professional gambler. Yes, he was a businessman, and he did re- run a moderately successful business, but he was a very successful professional gambler. I was not letting him anywhere near our church's finances. That kind of information caused me to be isolated in my leadership responsibilities. Another reason that we're lonely is we're isolated by obedience. For example, when you take a moral stand on a particular issue, you may find yourself in a very lonely position. I took a stand in 2004 on the issue of the definition of marriage. I believe that the biblical definition of marriage is one man married to one woman uh, for life. And, of course, in our culture today, that definition is no longer uh, legally binding. But I still maintain my moral position. It's a lonely position sometimes. A doctrinal position can cause you to feel lonely. Uh, You take a stand on the exclusivity of the gospel. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Well, when you take a stand on that position, you can find yourself being lonely and isolated. And then you're also isolated by obedience to spiritual commitments. Uh, For example, if you know that your church needs to build a major facility, long before you ask other people to give, you have to start giving and making sure that you're setting the pace in the the example of your spiritual commitment to giving. Uh, If you know that your church needs to go through a period of fasting and praying, you know before you can ask the church to do that, you have to do what? Lead out by going through a personal time of praying and fasting and getting ready to ask the church to join you in this effort. These are just examples of what I mean by leaders are isolated by obedience. Whether you're taking a moral stand or a doctrinal position or making a spiritual commitment, all of these kinds of things can lead us to feel alone or isolated. Now, as I said earlier in the show, I'm talking you down into a black, dark place right now. I understand that. Uh, We're going downward, if you will, into the reasons for loneliness in leadership. We're isolated by information. We're isolated by obedience. I'm going to give you a few more of these, but then we're going to finally get to hope, so stay with me. Leaders are also isolated by job demands. You know, Christian leaders spend, by the nature of their work, a lot of time alone. Uh, We spend time alone writing sermons, preparing Bible studies, uh, working on uh, speeches, and also time alone planning. We're planning meetings. We're strategic, doing strategic thinking for our organization. Uh, We're 
uh, doing all kinds of things to get meetings together and be prepared for meetings so that we can give good leadership when our volunteers give their very precious and limited time. We can make sure we maximize that by being fully prepared for the event. We also have to spend time alone if we write like blogs or post information in places. That just takes a lot of time, and most of that time is spent alone. Uh, some Christian leaders, depending on their context, also travel alone, spending a significant amount of time just by themselves. And then many Christian leaders also have uh, private offices or work settings that are somewhat isolated. Uh, I know, for example, at the place where I work, uh, you know, I have an assistant and that person uh, watches the door like a hawk and you just can't walk in at any old time and see me. Now, if you really need to see me, you can certainly get on the schedule and I'll certainly see you. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in a place where I'm working where I'm somewhat isolated in a, in a private office where I'm expected to be productive and get a lot done because of the luxury of having that kind of location to work. So leaders are isolated by job demands. And then leaders are also isolated by what I call the emotional depletion of ministry leadership. You know, it's, it's the burden of responsibility. Paul, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five lamented this when he said, apart from all these other things I have to deal with, there is upon me the daily burden of the churches. Uh, when I was working on a chapter that I wrote in one of my books on the subject of loneliness, I wrote some pastors and asked them for their reflections on this subject. And one very large church pastor wrote me this. He said, quote, There isn't a night I lay my head on the pillow without thinking about how to reach someone who needs the Lord, how to help a troubled marriage, how to better lead my team, or how to disciple someone in my church. Just the burden of being responsible for the spiritual lives of people is a cause of loneliness. So the emotional depletion of ministry leadership comes from the daily burden we feel for the church and for the people that God has made us responsible to lead. It is a burden to think about their spiritual well-being, their spiritual welfare, and all aspects of their life and work that we're doing together. And a part of this also is simply the struggle of spiritual warfare. Christian leaders, uh, ministry leaders, are in a spiritual battle. Now, there are so many illustrations of this in the Bible, but one of the most dramatic is, of course, the story of Elijah in the Old Testament. In 1 Kings 17, Elijah won this great battle where the fire of God came down on the mountain and consumed the false prophets and the sacrifice and the altar and even dried up all the water that had been poured on that altar. What a powerful, amazing, awesome demonstration of God's glory and power. And then, two chapters later, Elijah is running from one wicked woman, fleeing for his life. The contrast of those two stories is dramatic. On the one hand, you have a prophet of God experiencing God in the highest moment. And on the other hand, you have this same man, lonely, fearful, isolated, spiritually and emotionally depleted, fleeing from the threat of what one woman might do to him. Well, these are the reasons that I've observed over the years that Christian leaders struggle with loneliness. We are isolated by information and by obedience. We are also isolated by job demands, including even our work environments and work responsibilities. And we are certainly isolated by emotional depletion and job performance of our ministry leadership duties. 
So I guess I would conclude by all of that by saying loneliness is an occupational hazard of ministry leadership. You're not really going to be able to avoid it. Instead, you have to learn some resources, some strategies, some approaches that you can take that can help you through this problem of loneliness. So here are some suggestions. Number one, first, have realistic expectations about loneliness. If you're in ministry leadership, you will be lonely. It comes with the territory. But also, you can get through it. Loneliness is temporary. I think about the old joke of the woman being asked, what's her favorite verse of Scripture? And she said, it came to pass. And the person said, why is that your favorite passage? And she said, because it didn't come to stay. Loneliness is like that. It doesn't come to stay. It comes to pass. It comes over you in a season or over you in a wave. But it can be overcome. So, first of all, have realistic expectations about loneliness. If you are going through a lonely time, that doesn't mean God has abandoned you. It doesn't mean anything's wrong with you spiritually. It doesn't mean you failed in your leadership responsibilities or that you're somehow weak in your Christian faith. It just means that because of the isolation of information or obedience or job demands or the spiritual and emotional depletion that comes from ministry leadership, because of all of those things combined at this particular time, you're feeling lonely. Second, another strategy to use is to cultivate your awareness of God's presence. Take an honest look at biblical leaders like Jesus and Paul and David, and you will find that they frequently wrote and spoke and said things that reminded, reinforced, or confessed God's presence in their lives. Now, how can you increase your awareness of God's presence? Well, first of all, through consistent devotional practices. It's important for ministry leaders to do what they advise others to do, and that is read the Bible on a regular basis with a goal of reading it daily. Find yourself praying daily, not just for the needs of others, but for your own spiritual development and spiritual sustenance. And then practice things like scripture memory and listening to people preach and teach the Word of God so that you have input coming into your life from the scriptures. But now I want to give you one more. And that is, cultivate your awareness of God's presence by praying simple prayers to remind you that God is with you. Now, I say this in some ways jokingly, but in some ways seriously. The most common and most frequent prayer that I've prayed as a ministry leader over the years is, Lord, give me wisdom. That's been my number one prayer. But now I'm going to give you my second prayer. You may think, wow, this is going to be an awesome, theologically deep, really complex, really meaningful prayer. Well, not so much. My second most common, most frequent, most oft-prayed phrase is this, Lord, here we go. Here we go. Before I stand up to speak, I'll often just quietly pray, Lord, here we go. Before I go into a meeting, Lord, here we go. Before I have to deal with a complex or difficult or conflict-laden situation, I'll bow my head and say before I walk into the room, Lord, here we go. What I'm praying is a simple voice declaration, really. Lord, you're with me. Your presence is here. You're my companion, my friend, my counselor, my 
supporter, my sustainer, my encourager. Lord, here we go. Now, I'd like to tell you as a seminary president that I've got some long, multi-paragraph, beautifully written, theologically complete prayer that I pray that reminds me of God's presence, but I don't. Instead, I have this simple, short prayer. Lord, here we go. And I pray that prayer often to remind me that God is with me, that God's presence is not some theoretical or theological uh, uh, thing that is, is imaginal, uh, to be imagined or is something that's uh, in a different world or, or, or something that's ethereal or just sort of out there somewhere. No, God's presence is real. He's with us. And as leaders, we need to rest in that, cultivate that, trust in that. So yes, I do that by reading the Bible and by praying and by letting the Bible in, to, into my life through scripture memory and through listening to sermons and through uh, Bible studies. I get all that. But I also cultivate God's presence with this one simple prayer. Lord, here we go. And then finally, a third strategy for cultivating uh, strength during loneliness or managing your loneliness is to cultivate friendships to sustain you. Now, the first two strategies I've given you, have realistic expectations and practice God's presence. Those two expectations are something you can do in the moment. And if you're lonely right now, you can do those two things right now. You can shift your expectations and you can start practicing God's presence and you will see some immediate relief come your way. This third suggestion sometimes takes a while. It takes a while to develop friendships to sustain you through difficult times. Now, when I started out in ministry leadership, quite honestly, I was a Lone Ranger. I wanted to do it all myself. I wanted to do it by my, all alone. I wanted to be the hero. I wanted to be the, uh, you know, the great man. I, I wanted to, to be that leader. But then I started looking at biblical patterns of leadership. And I discovered that in the Bible, the best leaders worked in team environments are in the context of partners in ministry. For example, uh, Jesus had his 12 disciples and, of course, the three that were closest to him as an inner circle. Paul worked almost exclusively with either a partner or a team. In fact, the only time in the book of Acts Paul is recorded to be working alone was also his least productive ministry field or least productive ministry setting. Paul almost always worked with a partner or with a team. And then David in the Old Testament had his mighty men listed in Scripture as that cadre of guys that were most uh, supportive of him and closest to him and sustained him through some of the darkest, most difficult days of leadership described in the Old Testament. So I started out in ministry leadership wanting to be the Lone Ranger, the great man, the hero, the single conquering leader that would lead my organization forward. But then over the years, I learned that Leaders in the Bible led with partners and teams, and because of that, were so much less lonely. That's been my experience over the years. I currently work with a team, a, a group of people that are closely around me that are more than just a, a ministry colleagues and ministry employees. They're also my friends and people that I feel a personal connection with and who are sensitive to the needs that I have in my life and try to work to help sustain me through struggles when they come our way. So what kind of friends do you need to cultivate to help you during a low time or during a lonely time? Well, I call this developing a friendship team. Let me give you 
three categories of people to look for. First of all, uh, some ministry peers. These are people who share the work with you or share a similar ministry situation. Uh, these are people that are, like if you're a pastor, they're pastors. If you're a youth pastor, they're youth pastors. If you lead a missions organization, they lead a mission organization. This is where you reach out and develop relationships with peers who understand what you do and what you're going through and the work that you're trying to accomplish. That's why uh, it's important for you to be engaged with your denomination or with your ministerial association or with your professional uh, organization if you're in a ministry organization or in some kind of a missions organization. There are groups that have formed of pastors and youth pastors and worship pastors, and there are groups that have formed of missions executives and denominational executives. And all of these different groups of leaders find ways to come together in fellowship organizations, and you need to join one of those and develop some relationships so that you have some peers that you can turn to who know what you're going through, who share the same kind of work you do, and can help you when you're feeling lonely. And then you also need the second group, what I call trusted confidants or mentors. Now, these are people you turn to for special support. Uh, these don't have to necessarily be peers, like people who do what you do, but these are people that you look to who have more experience than you do, uh, greater wisdom than you've yet uh, uh, achieved, who, who maybe have done what you've done, but maybe done it longer or better or different contexts that you can turn to. Now, over the years, I've developed a group of these people, and I don't call on them every week or even every day, or excuse me, every month, but I do call on them from time to time when I have a particularly perplexing issue or when I'm feeling particularly down about a particular issue or something that's really causing me to struggle. I give them a phone call or I reach out to them personally and say, hey, listen, I wonder if I could talk to you about something I'm going through right now and just get your perspective on it. That always helps me to turn to a trusted confidant or a mentor to help me during that time. And you say, well, I don't have anybody like that today. That's the word you need to add to that sentence. I don't have anybody like that yet, today. Put those words at the end of that sentence. You can start developing these relationships so that in the future, as time goes by, you will have these people in your life that you can turn to. You know, professors, fellow pastors, uh, people in your denomination, lay persons in your church or ministry organization, people who've had your job in the past who've retired from it. These are the kinds of people that you can look to as confidants that you can reach out to and add to your friendship team. And then the third group are what I call everyday people. You know, as a ministry leader, I think it's important to have some friends who don't talk about ministry with you all the time. I'm so blessed in this regard. I, I have a friend. Uh, he's been my friend for a long time. Uh, our kids grew up together, we vacationed together, we've done so many things over the years, and we're still doing those kinds of things together. When we get together, he knows I'm a seminary president. I know what he does also vocationally, but we have a deal. I don't ask him about his work, and, the and when we're together, he never says the word seminary. Why? Because we want to build our relationship about, around other things besides our work lives. So we talk about our families, we talk about books we're reading, we talk about trips we'd like to go on, uh, we talk about funny things that we've read in different contexts or settings. We laugh, joke, and enjoy life together. So I have these three groups of people that I've cultivated over the years. I have some ministry peers I can turn to when I need counsel or assistance or support that know what I'm going through and know how to support me in that context. I have some trusted confidants or mentors that I can look to and turn to for personal support. And then I have what I call everyday people, especially one or two friends that 
are really close that I know that I can reach out to when I'm hurting or when I'm struggling or when I'm lonely that really don't just necessarily focus on my work life but also focus on helping me as a Christian man to just make it through what I'm going through at that particular time. Well, today I've talked about loneliness in ministry leadership. It's a real problem. But if you're lonely today, that doesn't mean there's necessarily anything wrong with you. It may mean that you're simply experiencing one of the occupational hazards of Christian leadership. I've outlined today on the show some of the reasons we're lonely and some of the solutions we can put into place. If you need more help, you can check out one of my books. It's called The Painful Side of Leadership, in which I have some chapters in there on this particular subject. Hey, I'm glad to talk to you today. Let's manage our loneliness 